Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to On The Bad Bar podcast. Uh, this is Chris, your host, and we have two fantastic guys joining me back in the studio. Uh, well, back in Bangkok. Welcome back, guys. So we have William Pravda and Sean House. Guys, how are you doing? Oh, amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great to be back. And, uh, you know, Bangkok is like second home. So all the vibes and people, bars, everything. So it, it's amazing feeling to be back. Good. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying it's the first time I've been on a plane for two years, so... I've been buzzing ever since I've been here, so, you know, Great, yeah. really enjoying. I mean, it's so nice that international travel's back open, right, and we can move mm-hmm. around. And, of course, we're here this week for Asia 50 Best Bars, uh, the ceremony on Thursday, really exciting. Um, there's been a ton of events going on. Did you guys get out anywhere last night? I know you left the hotel quite late, right? Yeah, so we, we had a, a bit of a, a late one working in the hotel. So w- William was helping me to prep some some things, and then we... We, we, we tried to escape once or twice, and that didn't work. And then we, when we finally got out, we went straight to BKK Social. Good choice. Yeah. Ama- amazing time. And, uh, of course, with Philip Bishop, we needed our martini o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So we made it, uh, like, 10 minutes before the closing. So literally last, last order. Okay, good. So perfect time. And uh, afterwards, yeah, we just uh, hang out and uh, catch up with everyone in uh, Tropic. Good. Oh, that's always a good place to end up, for sure. Well, look, guys, this is uh, Table Talks. Um, this is episode two, so it's great to have you both. Um, we're we're going to talk about Vietnam and, of course, the newly opened Capella Hanoi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the photos. I've heard the buzz. It, it looks amazing. And um, you were just telling me recently about some of the rituals you've got in place. Um, I'd love to hear about that. So, you know, William, we're quite sad because you left us in Bangkok. <laughs> so thank you for that. But <laughs> you've gone on to exciting things and to actually be part of the opening team. So what was that like, that sort of experience? Uh, it's, it's a great experience. I was opening team for Bangkok Capella here, uh, which was a great time. And especially to show to Bangkok and, uh, and uh, everyone around what Capella really is. It never happens before the opening. So it always happens after we open. No one really understands what really Capella is before we even open. Mm. So I think I got a little bit like a lacking that type of feeling. So that was the reason why when I saw the project for Capella Hanoi, I decided to join and uh, it's more focused on FNB. It's a, it's amazing program. So for my part right now, the, it's uh, the Hudson Rooms, which is the top floor of uh, Capella Hanoi. And everything is inspired by Grand Central Terminal in 1900 to 1920s, from food to drinks, ambience, design, different rituals. So you might see on the social media me running around with a conductor's uh, uniform. <laughs> That's <laughs> epic. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. So it's a, it's more about to give the vibe. And Capella uh, Hanoi is connected with the uh, with the opera house. So wherever Capella is, we are connected with the local traditions or the culture. Uh, Hanoi had a really big French influence, so we are in the heart of the French Quarter. And, of course, if you look at it, next next to us, it's uh, Hanoi Opera. Opera has a really big name. Most of the performers were coming from France, so therefore Capella is the bottom part, uh, as a lobby. It's really like you coming into the backstage of the Opera House. Okay, yeah. okay. Sounds exciting. So that's a beautiful design, all everything by Bill Bensley whole building so it's right. it's absolutely detailed and beautiful and uh, then you get to the lift you get to the eighth floor and uh, you end up in a grand central terminal in new york if you would ask why we decided this way when we did all the research for all the actresses and actresses uh, in 1920s in in paris in a in a, in a cabaret 
we found out that majority of them were Americans. So how did they get to Europe? Okay, by, by boat. And from where? New York. How did they get to New York? The transportation hub was a Grand Central Terminal. And that we're talking 120 years ago. So that's where the inspiration is coming from. For the food part, that I have to say really big kudos to our chef Marcus, who spent almost a year studying street food of New York about mm. 120 years ago. Wow, okay. So we found that New York was called Big Oyster, not Big Apple, how are we doing these days? And uh, oysters were the street food of New York. That was oh, literally the cheapest part and nutrition what you could get. So even if you didn't have anywhere to sleep, you had your dozen of oysters on the street. Wow, I, I didn't know that. That's a bit of <laughs> random knowledge. Yeah. I actually saw something, and you're probably going to speak about it, but you've got quite an interesting oyster serve, right, with whiskey. I saw that. That Do you want to tell me more about that? Because it looks amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah. We're, it's all connected. So we call it as a whiskey luge. What we found is, uh, okay, you had a lot of Irish coming into United States, especially New York, from like 1819 to 1820 or 21. It was about 4 million Irish came to New York. Okay. That's a really big number. Mm. I got this information from Chef Marcus, so I hope he did his research <laughs> better than me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, um, of course, if you come there, what do you bring with you? You bring the golden liquid, what you have at home. Mm. You don't really have where to sleep. You're sleeping over warehouses, getting the job, whatever is possible. And for the nickel, you have a few oysters. If you want to share your whiskey, how are you going to do it? Yeah, you had the, after Spanish flu, everyone was really conscious how to, how to share even bottle of spirit between each other. So they pour it into the oyster shell after they eat it. Mm. I think indirectly they created one of the most beautiful pairings I've ever seen. It's not only... It's not coming only from this time, but uh, because I found some uh, some documentation from Beaumont Distillery about 1820s with a uh, whiskey and oysters. So I'm not Irish, I'm not Scottish, so it means I will need the help with this one to find out even more how much it goes back into tradition to have oysters and a whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that 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 would be a magical pairing, and it's such an interesting serve, but tied to history, which I really love. So I mean, yeah, as soon as I come, I'm going to try that for sure. <laughs> um, Sean, let's hear from you, mate. You've been in Vietnam a bit longer than William, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got more experience. Um, how's it been for you? I mean, more for anything over the last couple of years, like what's Vietnam been like, and you know, part of this new exciting opportunity at Capella. It, it's been a it's been a bit eye opening. You know, when when I went to Vietnam, I didn't expect sort of the development that they had already. You know, I thought I was pretty much, you know, a bit naive going into this new country. Okay, maybe they haven't got a scene yet. Maybe I'm going to go and rock up the scene, you know, but they were already slowly mm -hmm. developing their scene. I think in the three years since I've been there, at least they have gone up tremendously. You know, the, the standards are rising. The, the quality of the ingredients that they're using is, is rising. They're getting rid of the, you know, cheap local made stuff and getting more, more international brands and really really pushing them on. And you look at the the brands that are coming out of Vietnam now, like Sampan Rum and Song Kai and Lady Trio, they're, they're all fantastic spirits. I'm trying them tomorrow, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, they're, just, they're just putting Vietnam on the map. And I think that's also what we want to do at, at Capella Hanoi is also be a lighthouse for, for F&B in, in Vietnam and, and really show the Vietnam scene about this international sort of standards and know give them give them a sort of something they can look to and say okay how can how can we progress and of course 
we're going to learn something from them at the same time and say, how can we take your culture and put it into what we do and, you know, learn together at the same time, you know? And this is this is what we did with the Divas Lounge. As 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 William was saying, when you walk in there, it's like 1920s um, Grand Palais in Paris, you know, it, it's, it's golden, it, it's beautiful, and you walk in, you're like, wow. You know, and we said, we have to make a cocktail menu that when you see the cocktail menu, you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was like, how how do we match that? And um, you know, going back to the ritual, when we actually open the cocktail about at six pm, we have a diva who comes in. She she does she does her little little sort of diva dance. She says cheers to everybody. Oh, okay. She says sorry, I'm late. I've got to go to the opera. And then she says the band go, you know. And then the band, you know, they take over. And then we, you know, the, then we bring out the cocktails which are full of theatre, mm-hmm. you know. So we have we have one of them which is called Lena's Beauty, which we actually serve on a jewelry stand, which is like. I don't know how to describe like a woman's body wearing a dress, and you know, and you put the we serve a mirror on it. So every time you look into the mirror, you see the most beautiful woman in the world or most beautiful person in the world. Every time you take a sip, and you know, so nice you touch. see yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this is we were thinking how how do we put our theatre what what Bill has done, and how do we match that with our cocktail concepts? You know, okay. and, mm-hmm. you know, and then when we when we go downstairs, you know, we take a short flight to Tokyo. And we go into a beautiful new Japanese restaurant called Koki. You know, and as, as you walk in, you, you go into a beautiful sake parlor, which we call Akio. So Akio means the, the shining light. We got this confirmed yesterday by a Japanese person who said, okay, it means shining light. It's, it's good. And, and you walk in there, and we have probably the biggest sake selection in, in Hanoi. Wow. You know, we have our own sake as well, which we, we were blending and sitting in a room and tasting to, to get the perfect blend, which we, mm-hmm. we sent to a brewery in Japan and said, hey, this is what we want. Can you make it? They said, not a problem. Mm. You know, so this is one of our rituals down there as well. When you come, you know, we're going to bring you our mixology cart. We say, okay, this is the sake as it is. And then this is an infused v- version of the sake also. So you can try how we use like sort of Japanese radish, for example, how it's going to change the acidity of, of, of the sake. And then we're going to put certain sweets so it change the saltiness of the sake. You know, so this is how we're trying to play around and shine a light on not just sake, but rice, rice-based yeah, products okay. as well. I mean, fantastic. It, I mean, I'd love to go into the research and development of all this because I'm mm-hmm. sure it was painstaking and there's a lot of thought that goes into it, right? Just from those two serves you told me. What was the research and development process like? Did, was it a clean slate and you were like, right, what do we do? Or did you have some direction? It's like, well, we kind of know we're going to go this way, but how do we, you know, how did you break it into each sort of cocktail, each serve, mm-hmm. and how did you know what you wanted to create? Well, I think for Divas Orange, I was extremely lucky. Because when I joined Capella, William was already working on it, so he done most of the R&D. He so <laughs> so they, they, they sent to me the brief that they were already working on. This is the flavors that we think we should have. You know, I said, okay, this one yes, this one no, and we, we sort of put it together, and that's how we came up with the Divas Lounge. With, with, with Akio, it was much harder. Obviously, I've never been to Japan. Mm. So I thought, how, how can I put a Japanese concept together? but not doing everything so expected where everything's going to be yuzu and everything's, you know, then how am I going to yeah. change this? Yes, I do have yuzu drinks, but I try to think, how can I flip this on its head a little bit? So I started doing a lot of research into the cuisine that they have from, from north to south of Japan and started following sort of that demographic. And all, all the drinks were designed to, to go with food. Okay, It's a restaurant, right, with, with the bar and lounge inside of the restaurant. Then you have... The, the VIP tepans, and you have six private tepans also. You know, so we said the cocktails need to be good enough that you can have them as a pairing also mm-hmm. with the food. Mm-hmm. So we, I took sort of the, the cuisine 
and dissected it and put it back together with what they were eating in each area. You know, and then when the chefs came in finally, they were like, okay, this, you know, this is very good because this is actually from Hokkaido. I was like, yeah, you know. We said, but this one is, a, it, this pea is from Yamagata. You should put this in the Yamagata drink. I was like, okay, let's put that in that somewhere. And, you know, working with the chefs to really develop mm, it. Okay. I hope next year, you know, I'm going to gonna fly to Japan and work on the next menu in Japan. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That'd be a great experience. Mm. So uh, tell me about some of the cocktails. I'd love to hear about them. It's a, like a, a, what John was saying for, for Koki and Akio. It's uh, similar for the Hudson Rooms. But you within one building, you have three places. So it depends what mood you have, mm. what day you are in. You can select the place where you feel comfortable. So you can go the Japanese style. You can go much more sophisticated, you know, like a really gentle way. Or you can go the divas part, or of course you can go upstairs to the Hudson Rooms, which mm-hmm. is it's a restaurant as well with a bar. But of course, with all that research from 1900 to 1920s, our cocktails there are inspired by the four main tracks from Grand Central Terminal. Ah, okay. So you have Santa Fe Super Chief, for example. Yeah, you have one which goes to Canada, and that's or, or to Miami. So that's how the flavors are put into the drinks. Yeah, all with the modern mixology using, so you can find a little bit of that molecular mixology I like as well. And uh, all of this was created not only by myself or together with Sean, it was, yeah, the Bobby from Proven Company helped us a lot. Oh, that's great, okay. Yeah, so that was a really nice part to that. But of course, we had to do our research as well, mm. much deeper, where we built our Warehouse 49, for example, which is our wine cellar with a cigar place. So nice. like uh, you, you can, the plan is to go over 100 of different types of cigars to bring it really to Vietnam. Over 100? Yeah. Wow, okay. So not, not only Cuban, yeah, it should be really like the, yeah, the, okay. the old cigar culture. Then, of course, uh, more whiskey focused, uh, I would say, but uh, it's not only about whiskey. Yeah, if, uh, not, if a gin lover comes to Hudson Rooms, we always find the right stuff for them, you know. Okay. So all of this is really, it's really like capella style. That means it's personal. It's really how you feel right now. You can select where you would like to sit, where what would you like to drink. Yeah, so all for the cocktails. Yeah, for Sean's side, amazing. Yeah, I had a chance to try and see. And uh, for, for Hudson Rooms, of course, the same, but it's uh, it's never-ending story. The book is never written. Mm. So okay. everything is involving day by day, month by month. Of course, we already now planning another part of the menus and so on. Yeah. So the way how we opened it is the first step. Mm. Well, talking about the opening, so you just had a sort of quite a grand opening party, right? Can you mm-hmm. tell me about that? I didn't see too much. I saw some photos, but it looked extravagant. Um, what, what happened that night? It, it, it was great. So we, we, we started the morning off outside on, on, our, on our terrace. So we had sort of the, the grand opera curtains and we, we closed off the whole hotel, mm. you know, so you couldn't see inside of the hotel. And then we had one of the famous Vietnamese singers come out and, and do an opera. And then we opened the curtains, you know, and they said, okay, guys, Capella is open. You know, so we, we invited everyone in for the toast and a drink and a lunch. And then, you know, a lot of people then, then they went home and then they came back for the fantastic evening at, at the Hudson Rooms where, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> William could tell you more what's going on that night because I was up there enjoying it more than, <laughs> than working on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, actually, um, let's talk about the conductor element. And this is, it's touching into the theatre aspect. You said, that's cool, man. And you're a very charismatic guy, so you're perfect <laughs> to be able to do that. But tell us about that ritual. What, what's the process of it? So 
I would go to all the rituals what we're doing. So it's a Ghana central inspired place. Mm. So about 5.30 to 6.30, 5 o'clock to 6.30, when there is the rush hour in the Grand Central. Or it used to be as well. These days we are working a little bit longer, the office hours. But uh, you you meet a lot of people running around with that dogs, you know, like uh, the hot dogs. Then you you end up with your ketchup, mayo, mustard on, on, a, <laughs> right. on, on your sleeve. And uh, that's something what we brought as well. So one of the rituals starts uh, later afternoon. That means whoever comes to Hearts and Rooms, they get our signature seafood dog. That one is inspired oh. by uh, Lobster River, which doesn't exist anymore in New York because of the industrialization sort of took over. But uh, 120 years ago, that was the sort, uh, source of all the food for everyone who lived there. Right. So we give, as a ritual, we're giving our signature dog. Literally, everyone is like, hello, welcome to the Hudson. I know it's a rush hour, you're running home. So with your drink, here's your dog. It's complimentary? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. It's, a, it's something from us, you know. And uh, then afterwards, because we are still restaurant, yeah, all together with all the private areas, we can fit about 100 people. That's a really big bar, I would say. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, for the restaurant part, around 9.30, uh, we call it all on board ritual. That means to to tell our travelers and our visitors and our guests that uh, the restaurant part is changing into be more vibrant Grand Central Bar. So therefore, there is the conductor's uniform. Therefore, there is that uh, performance uh, shouting all on board. The last train to Miami is leaving right now. Please thank you for spending uh, your dinner time with us. And then, of course, enjoy your drinks. The music goes a little bit louder. The lights are going lower. I literally sent everyone a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, like a, sometimes it's sort of like a sour style of espresso martini. But, mm. uh, of course, we're working on to do really nice, acceptable oyster shot for absolutely everyone. Because mm. we have beautiful ladies in a nice negligent wardrobe. And uh, sometimes if you, if you would say, if you would send just a oyster shot, it doesn't really fit at that moment. So we're still working on that and getting all the feedbacks from our guests as well. Okay. There is a red carpet rolled from the elevator and around the restaurant sort of to guide the guest. Okay, that is the direction to the bar and here you can have your privacy. Mm. Okay. So it's it's really more that way. And then we have one more, which is uh, closing hour. And uh, that means sort of like our last call. Yeah, so that's the last moment uh, when you can still order and you can spend the time with us. But the inspiration is coming from the actual Oyster Bar in uh, Grand Central Terminal. When uh, some of the tracks were built, uh, a lot of workers, they were working around 20 hours without any food, uh, usually poorly paid. Mm. So what the restaurant used to do, they they had a soup of the day. So they heated it up, they put it outside before they left home as a chefs for all these workers just to come with their coffee mug, get a little bit of soup and have a food. Okay. So that's what we're doing for our guests as well, to soup. show them and uh, okay. just to cool. tell them the appreciation to spending their hours with us. And uh, we announced that way that that's one of the last calls. So we share again a little bit of love and the tribute what used to be done in New York 120 mm. years ago. It's a good way to call last orders rather than <laughs> UK. It's just a bell. But <laughs> so, um, I mean, it sounds fantastic, man. Um, and, and obviously you've just recently opened. How has the Vietnamese um, population or the people of Hanoi, how have they taken it? Have they been wowed and sort of so impressed by this new, new venue? I, I think so, yes. As William was saying, you don't really understand what is Capella until 
you open Capella and you say, yeah. okay, wow, these guys are different. These guys are, I want to say fresh, but we're doing something that maybe they've never seen in Vietnam before. You know, maybe, maybe they visited Capella in Singapore or, or in Bangkok. But when, they, when they've came to Hanoi and they're like, wow, this is something that's at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going, the, the service, the, the decor, the, the ambience, the, the menus, the, the concepts, the rituals, they're like, it's so much to take in. And they go, I think, you know, what, what the guests are saying to us when they're coming in, especially the, the people who are staying with us, they're saying they don't want to leave. <laughs> you know, it, it's sort of a escapism within the city where you can you never have to leave the hotel mm-hmm. if you don't want to. You know, you can go to the Hudson, you can go, you can go to down to Tokyo, you can go to Paris, you know, enjoy the spa, you can do whatever you want in the hotel, you never have to leave. Right. You know, so this is, I think, one of the best things that the guests are saying to us is just, just wow, and this makes towards him makes mm-hmm. us feel a lot more worthwhile, you know, yeah. through the struggle. I know William joined us two weeks ago, but three weeks ago, <laughs> but he's been online as well. And okay. I've been there for, for 18 months trying to get us all together. And, and when we actually finally open it, it's just the weight off your shoulders and the guests are like, wow, this, that's, you know, yeah. that's when you make it feel okay. It's been worth it. Good. Yeah. We're okay. building, it's an experience with the entertainment. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really different. It's a, it, it has that showmanship. It has that something is always happening. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to be bored, you never bored. Yeah, you can you can go from one ritual to another. You can move from one place in the world within one building to another, and uh, to this one, like uh, how the guests and uh, Hanoi is taking it. I would say one example: what happened recently before we flew here one evening, without reservation, group of eight ladies dressed in 1920s authentic dress, which they rented just to go for the dinner with us. Oh, mm-hmm. brilliant! Okay, so people are really getting behind yes. this, right? And- Okay. That tells you, and without reservation, they literally just walked in. And uh, that was that moment when we realized, wow, yeah, people, they really, they, our guests, they spend the time and thoughts and organize themselves within the friends just mm-hmm. to spend a few hours with us. Mm-hmm. So it's really like the, the appreciation from our side is massive on this because it's, mm-hmm. it's creating something what, yeah, just a time will tell, but or we already can see really great feeling from that good um it's funny because so we'll come back to vietnam for sure but um i'd like to talk about um bangkok a little bit but just on that um so we went to maybe sammy at vespa yesterday and those guys are crazy i mean they've they've got the bubble guns and they've got Mm -hmm. this song that they play um but they do that quite often at their bar and do you think this is it now this is sort of the next level that bars need to think about like having these rituals having these sort of ceremonies and and building that into the program is this what bars should be thinking about to sort of really up their game mm-hmm. what maybe somebody is doing it's amazing they're doing it for for some time already mrt Gudak is there it's like and, and the whole team is it, it's amazing yeah and uh i would say maybe sammy shows it to the world yeah, us, we're doing it on a little bit different scale as well because we have that big hotel behind us and that the name as well. Mm-hmm. But I've seen this around the world in Europe happening. Yeah, you always have some rituals. Even if you go to the pub in UK, there is a certain ritual, and you mention it, is the bell where mm-hmm. everyone knows. So it's really human nature to spend and connect your time in a, any venue, restaurant or, or the bar with something and that brings you back because you understand it, it becomes familiar and then you are the one who knows. So you show it to someone else who doesn't. So I think it's a it's a direction which is more and more seen. 
That's true. And uh, if mobiles will do it in the future, I hope so. Because mm. it's really, it's an entertainment. As a bartenders, we are entertainers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. We, need, we need this. It's not only about putting things together and adding some assets and creating the best flavor compounds. It's about entertaining and listen to our guests and be there for everyone who enters. Mm, I completely agree. So let's talk about Bangkok. So you guys flew over. <laughs> Fantastic. Great to have you here. And uh, for everyone listening and watching as well, um, you guys have organized uh, a bit of a sort of get together tomorrow, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly Bangkok bartenders who are going to be watching this. So what, what's going on tomorrow? So we 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 we're we're orig- pack out the place. <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs> we originally thought we were, we were going to do a guest shift, right? So that was the original plan for us to come here. Then obviously for some circumstances that didn't happen. So we said, okay, we still have to go. But what are we going to do to connect with with the community? And we said, you know, every, everyone's going to be running around crazy on, on Wednesday night and you know Tuesday night when everybody arrives, and then everybody has awards on Thursday night, and everyone's going to go crazy again on Friday night for the for the closing and and Saturday. So we thought there's, there's an opportunity then on Thursday at two p.m. because everyone's going to be hungover from Wednesday. Yeah. So, uh, so William calls and now that the bartender's breakfast, <laughs> you know, and we're, we're going to invite everybody down, just have some beers, Bloody Marys, just you know. Very, very informal, just to have a chat and, and network to each other because, you know, everyone's going to meet at the awards for sure, but then everyone's going to be focused on many different things and running around, checking out the stores and see what's going on. But I think we, are, we, have a, we need a time when we can all come together and just say, hey, this is what's going on in Malaysia. This is, you know, what's going on in Indonesia and so on and so on. And just, just network and chill and mm-hmm. just communicate with each other, really. That's the good thing about these awards is sort of that communication basis mm-hmm. and connecting once again yeah. after such a long wait, you know. And, uh, you know, I was out last night and, and God, there's so many familiar faces. It's so mm-hmm. good to see everyone. But, um, yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, um, 55 guest shifts in total mm-hmm. this week, Whoa. which is mental, right? Um, what do you guys plan for the rest of the week? So we're going to Faux tonight yeah, at Smalls, Smalls yeah. mm-hmm. uh, with Chef Peter Franklin. Can't wait for that. Um, then the rest of the week, there's loads of stuff going up at Truck City, Camperino, um, and of course, the awards ceremony on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But what else? Is there anything else exciting you're looking forward to? I think we, we want to try as much as we can. And that's that's why we're here, to, to go and experience what other people are doing, right? Because as I said earlier, there's always something to learn from somebody else, mm. right? So I think that's what we want to go and do and show our faces at the same time. So I think, yes, we're, we're going to Smalls tonight to support Vietnam. With, with, with Peter as well, you know, represent. And then I think we when, once we get to Smalls, we'll just see how the night goes and see where everybody else is going and maybe we follow the crowd and maybe we say, okay, we, we need to go here. I think we're going to go to Stella today as well and oh. check out check out <coughs> William's old haunt and, you know, <laughs> see, what, see what's been going on since the three weeks he when he left. So... Longer. No, the team is doing great. Like what I saw, I can't be more proud and the, okay. the team in Stella. So I just want to see them and show mm-hmm. to Sean as well, like what we created here before. Mm, okay. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy week, that's for sure. <laughs> and I'm definitely <laughs> going to see you around quite a few places. And, um, you know, let's talk about uh, Vietnam then, because I'd really like to go more into that. I'm planning to come over very soon now. Mm-hmm. Now we can. Borders are open. Um, Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh are very different cities, aren't they? They're completely different. Talking to Vastly different. Yeah. Can you tell us more about Hanoi, about the F&B scene? Sure. I mean, Hanoi is still growing as compared to Ho Chi Minh. You know, Ho, Ho Chi Minh now, is, is, it's huge, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's bars open all the time. There's restaurants open all the time. They're, they've got their standards much higher. Hanoi is a beautiful city. You know, it's, it's more heartly. 
you know the, the people that are, I think not not to disrespect coach I mean but they're much more they're careful more, they're much, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a bit more straight to the point that they, they still have their traditions and, and you know and rituals you know so I think that's why Capella's there also it's like it's, it's full of rituals and, and full of life and you know very very genuine and the bar scene when I've seen the last three years is going up at a real good trajectory mm. you know I, I was speaking to Chris Thompson I, was, I said I'm surprised that Hanoi doesn't have and Asia's 50 best already because there's really, really good bars there. They just, they don't get the spotlight on them yeah, too much because right. the spotlight's on Ho Chi Minh. You know, even though Hanoi's the capital, it's all the spotlight is on Ho Chi Minh. It's not really on Hanoi, you know. But there's, there's a few people trying to change that, you know. There's um, Vu, there's when an open doozy up there. He, he used to be in Saigon. He's really shining a light on there. You have Ney, you know, who were the top 100 last year. They're, they're doing some good things as well. You have, obviously, Kumquatree got Asia's 50 best discovery. And then you have Gallery Bespoke doing some good things. So there's really, really nice bars who are really trying to change the concept and shine the light now on Hanoi and say, hey, Hanoi's got something to offer. And that's obviously why we're here as well, to say, hey, Hanoi's got something to offer. Vietnam's got something to <laughs> offer. You know, just just look. Mm. You know, and once you look, you're going to see something that you can really fall in love with. It's. I mean, I love Vietnam, really. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, before the pandemic and... It was it was something I'd always try and do uh, at least twice a year visit because there's so much on offer and it's mm-hmm. an incredible um, city with a lot of history. The architecture alone is yeah. just stunning, you know, this sort of French colonial-esque sort of buildings. Um, and you're right, food and drink from street food to, you know, amazing pho and mm-hmm. banh mi and uh, banh cha, I really like that too. But all the way up to sort of now these sort of more established places looking at international cuisine. Yeah. And yeah, it's great, man, really great. So, I mean, do you guys get to travel much in Vietnam? Do you, uh, I mean, I know recently you've been so based <laughs> with this new project, but mm-hmm. have you had time to go around? I, I mean, I've, I've been to a couple of places. I've been to Da Nang and I've been around the sort of provinces of Hanoi and been to Ho Chi Minh a couple of times. I've wanted to get out more. Obviously, COVID was restricted also in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't travel from Ho Chi Minh to Hanoi and vice versa. You had to stay in the city where oh, you were, okay. essentially. So... I think I'm due to go to Saigon again um, in May to do some guest shifts for Akio to spread to spread the shining light out a little bit more. But I would love to get out there more. I'm sure William's going to want to get out there and explore what what the beautiful of course places, you're, you're you know. very new to, yeah, to Vietnam. So right? far, I travelled a lot in in Hanoi, especially like uh, from the hotel to the place where I live. <laughs> Which I bet's quite close, right? Yeah, yeah. And then back. It's about seven to eight minutes, right? Okay. <laughs> How's it been for you? This experience of changing city in Asia. It's a, I think in some uh, in some way I really love it. Like I love that moment when you arrive to the new country. Everything is new. Of course, it's a it's a mix of feelings because I always believe it takes one year for anyone to arrive to land mm-hmm. in a in a new country, whatever we say. So first month is always a little bit more difficult because everything is new. You don't have your mobile phone number. You have no idea where to turn left or right. 7-Eleven is called completely different way and so on. They driving on a different side of the road as well <laughs> or sometimes right. on a both, both sides of the road, which mm. is even more confusing. The traffic's mental there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so the first month is always, yeah, to, okay, absorb yeah, how it is. Then I always believe the three-month period and then everything goes well. And then after that one year, you sort of like, oh, I know this city or I know this place really well. Yeah, so I'm looking forward for that. It's uh, right now in, I'm in a stage one. Even I'm on this project directly already since November. 
because of COVID and all the restrictions, I landed three, four weeks ago. So it's it's really short time for me to say, but uh, so far getting used to me, loving it more and more day by day, which that feeling is something what I like. Okay, good. Have you tried much of the street food? I tried uh, fur, mm, fur okay. twice uh, with the team. I always ask for Maggie because I think it's missing something, but it's just for me. It's <laughs> too used to it in Thailand, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm too used to the Thai food, which is full of flavors that I'm not saying that the fur is not, but it's just for me to get to understand it. Mm, yeah, and okay. of course, whenever I had it, it was 2 a.m. in the morning after like 20 hours being at work. So, yeah, you're half tired and you're like, oh, okay, let's put some food in. And, uh, mm. And and how about you? Have you adjusted to the... Well, I mean, you've been there three years, right? Mm-hmm. So you must love the street food or, or at least try most of it by now. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, it's not that I eat it very, very often, but whenever I get the chance, if, if, if I go to the team, I, I think the Vietnamese, it's very healthy at the same time. You know, it's it's healthy, delicious. I think he's having the wrong fur because I think it's full of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You know? But they, they give you, they also give you all the condiments on the side. So you can add the chili, you can add the salt, you can add the kumquats. Ah, so you know? that's what was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, no one explained to him the fur. So. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I really like the food. I think, you know, if, if you're ever hungover, mm. fur is the ideal the ideal hangover food. Mm-hmm. It really is. It just really just mellows you out and you have some amazing street side hot pots as well. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's sitting on the, the little plastic stools where me, I need like three of them so I don't break them, you know, <laughs> and just enjoying some beers and some hot pots. And it's, it's very communal. It you know? is. You're completely right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've got some friends there and um, every time I go over, they take me out and we're just sitting on the streets. But it, you really are on these little tiny stores. Yeah. But it just everyone's got that community aspect, mm-hmm. right? I think that's quite a big thing in Asia. Um, you know, everyone eating together, especially street food here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what's the... We're talking about the bar scene growing. And I completely agree. It does need more of a spotlight. Um, but how? what about the general consumer, the, the people that are actually going out and drinking? Mm-hmm. Is drinking culture improving alongside the industry or does it need time to catch up yes it's it's massively improving especially again since since i went there and i, I first i first opened kumkutri and everyone was you know they were all drinking bottles right and i said no we're, we're going to change that we're going to make a cocktail and that people want to drink cocktails and you know we, we slowly seen the sort of people just drinking cocktails and not drinking bottles anymore and it's the same when you go to other bars is there's clubs now that don't sell bottles, they only sell cocktails. Right. You know, like draft beer, draft, draft cocktails, and they're just, they're just knocking out two, three hundred cocktails a night. It's the same in Capella. People are coming to drink cocktails, mm-hmm. you know, more, more so than wine and beer and, and spirits. You know, so there's, there's a massive shift. And I think if people are doing the menus which are creative on concept and really sort of pushing the boundaries, then people are going to drink them. You know, I think it just takes a little bit of education from the bartenders rather than just saying, hey, here's a drink, you know, sort of explaining the drink and why why you made this drink and what, what is your thought process behind it. And then the consumer, they start to understand, okay, there's, there's a lot of effort. It's not just, a, you know, this one minute that you just made in front of me. There's, you know, there's a lot of prep behind behind this and, you know, and they're actually taking the approach, the approach that a chef would, mm. you know, and there's actually a lot of process behind it and people are starting to understand it and realize and have an appreciation for it, I think. Mm. What helps as well, it's like you allowed to do different modifications to to the alcohol. So you can do your infusions, your aging. Uh, you know, okay. you can you can always play with the flavors and actually customize it just to the place and the flavor you need. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things what really helps, and I guess that's one of the reasons as well why you see the rising of the spirit industry in Vietnam with a really quality product. Mm-hmm. So talking about these quality products, so we mentioned uh, Sampan rum, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of gins as well. Um, what about general produce? Like, what have you incorporated from Vietnam into your bar or food programs? Well, mo- most of it's local. Mm. We, right. We're trying not to import as much as possible. If you if you go to Dalat, Dalat is where they're growing everything. You know, they have lemons, they have strawberries, they have all the microgreens. Mm. But literally, they grow anything that you can grow anywhere in the world. So it's like, why do you need to import? You know, we, we, we try and get everything either from... We have we actually work with Songkai on a foraging basis also. So they go oh, to okay. forage for us and they search around Vietnam for all these so things that nobody else can find. And they bring it to Capella and, we, and we're using them as much as possible. Okay. You know, so we're trying to be sustainable by supporting local produce and, and local inventors and local farms and really soon, sort of this so Marcus is doing really farm to table. You know, and we're trying to do the same approach in the drinks as well. Like we know where we're getting the things from. You know, we can trace it down to the, the person who picks it, you mm-hmm. know, and puts and we, we can really incorporate the local produce as much as we can. It goes literally even to the leather for the coasters or yeah. the metal for our whiskey thief. That's so we have nice. really like traditional whiskey thief and the metal is Vietnamese, it's made in Vietnam, it's handmade. Mm-hmm. For the for uh, the purpose so. of the audience, can you explain what a whiskey thief is? <laughs> oh, uh, come and see me tomorrow. <laughs> 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 no, so a whiskey thief is um, it's a basically small flask in a in it's like a shape of the bullet. Yeah, just with a small hanger with a cork on the top. Mm-hmm. So whiskey thief is something what you carry with you. It's, uh, it's similar like a before flask. Yeah. Was whiskey thief. It's also called a dipping dog, right? Sort of. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so they, they they used to take the whiskey thief into the distilleries. Yeah. And they and so they, if they want to take the whiskey home with them, they just dip it in and put it in the sock. Uh-huh. And then yeah, walk yeah. out with it, you know. So. And you hide it, yeah. So yeah. that's why it's like whiskey thief. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and uh, as a Hudson Rooms, is uh, the direction is a lot of whiskey. I can say, I think, small secret for all the on the audience. We're working on our conductor's whiskey coming oh, soon. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's going to be only uh, about 300 bottles, yeah, less than. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so everyone who helped me and us who helped with uh, all the labeling and going through all that process, they know. So that was. it's been a really long journey on this as well. Mm. And I can't wait to show the conductor's whiskey to the world as well. Very exciting. Okay, great. So for the audience, um, obviously everything we're talking about today, including links to the, both the guys' social media and the Capella Hanoi, will be uh, in the show notes, all the links. Um, just to sort of wrap up, I mean, we've got another 10, 15 minutes, guys, so we can talk more. But um, I'd love to hear about uh, what you recommend for people to come and do in Vietnam. So obviously they should come to you guys, stay in the Capella and <laughs> visit the Hudson Rooms. But uh, what, what's your sort of um, your key takeaways for being there? You know, what do you recommend people to go see? It, it really depends on, on what they're looking for. There's, there's a little bit of everything. If you want to do a city life, you can do you know, go to Ho Chi Minh. You know, Da Nang has a little bit of a city life as well, but also the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you want to go shopping, go to the old quarter and, you know, go through the traditional shopping. Or you can get out to Halong Bay, you know, where they filmed a lot of movies out there. You know, it's, it's beautiful and it's, a, it's an actual... Uh, a National Geographic wonder, wonder of the world. And, I went there yeah. once in winter, and it was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't go in don't winter, go winter, only go in yeah. summer. Okay. <laughs> or, or, or go up to Sapa. You know, okay. Sapa is really, really beautiful. You can go right up into the mountains of Sapa, you know, and you can see all the, the rice paddy fields, like, all the way around. There's, there's, there's so much to do in Vietnam. It's sort of, 
still a undiscovered gem, mm. you know, because people only focus really on the cities. They're not really going out into the countryside. There's, there's really so much to do. Get a bike and just drive it. Yeah. yeah. Get a bike and drive around. Drive, if you've got the time, take about a month and, you know, drive around the country. That was quite a big thing, right, wasn't it? Like, sort of maybe yeah. 10, 20 years ago, like, people would just get a bike in Hanoi and drive all the way down mm-hmm. through the south. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful countryside, right? So, yeah, it is. And I think it's pretty easy to get a bike there. Very easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, all right, guys. So, I mean, um, I'd love to chat a bit more about sort of what you're going to be doing in Bangkok because obviously we're here now we're, we're celebrating the awards um, it's so good to have a physical ceremony back mm-hmm. it's so good to have so many international uh, well locally international stars coming in to do these guest shifts but uh, maybe more for, for Sean when was the last time you were here in Bangkok last time I was in Bangkok was when just when I was doing Bacardi actually so it was 2019 I think or 2020 when I'd done a guest shift to Havana. Mm, okay. So that was around two. But it's, I sent to William when I landed. It's changed so much in the, in the two years. Yeah. 20 was COVID. It was closed now. It was beginning of, <laughs> begin of, begin of 20. When was the last Bacardi? 2020, I think. Yeah. The Might last Bacardi. Yeah, probably really early yeah. on. Yeah. It's like COVID's messed up my mind. I, I can't even remember anymore. Yeah, it's, but. A, it's, it's really difficult to put like a timeline in the past it three is. years together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's. I've kind of just forgotten about those two years like just <laughs> yeah. it didn't happen <laughs> yeah, but obviously I also lived here as well in 2018 2017 2018 before I before I moved to Hanoi as well you know but it's it's just when I, when I lived here I wasn't really involved in the scene because of the place I was working mm-hmm. we, we kept them out of it and um, but obviously as soon as I left I got really more involved in the back I was coming back and I've seen the people you know is is it they seen probably a different side of me the person who wasn't working at that place you know and you know, they, they get a bit of a, a bad reputation over there, I think. But um, And then, obviously, when I came back, even yesterday, it's so refreshing to see everybody again. I said, oh, mm. you know, what's going on? Let's have a beer together, I think, you know. And then one beer turns into two, and then two yeah. turns into ten, and then we, we have a good <laughs> night at the end, you know. But, you know, it, it, it's good to be back here. It's good to see how much the industry has really developed as well. And as I said to you earlier, I think Bangkok right now is sort of the hotspot of Asia. Mm. You know, it's where everyone wants to open. It's where everyone wants to be. I think 50 Best have also seen that and said, let's go back to Bangkok, you know, where we originally done 50 Best and let's really, you know, step it up again. I think you know, Bangkok's yeah. really got a, a lot of... After these uh, two years, like, of the of the dark side for our industry, for many bartenders leaving for the different industries, many talents going mm-hmm. away to, yeah, true. to put the spotlight and see... Everyone in one city. Yeah, I have to be. I have to say, like the the feeling yesterday, just to see so many familiar faces. Yeah, still with a great smile. You know, the hug, and you know, you, you just feel it. Sometimes you don't need to talk. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's amazing that we all are still together, and we can all catch up back together. So, after two years to have everyone in a, one city like Bangkok. It's great. I just regret that we didn't book like a later flight, maybe like Sunday <laughs> or something, because on Monday evening, <laughs> yeah, m- Monday evening we have to be back to Hanoi, okay, or Friday evening. Mm. But it's like uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. And uh, what what it shows that the years coming, or even the months coming before the end of this year, I think as a whole industry we coming back much more and stronger. And everyone, and I see it on every single bar, on every single person I saw yesterday, and I'm sure even today, whoever I haven't met yesterday, it's going to be the same feeling, and that's 
something. It it gives you the energy to like, okay, let's go on, let's continue, let's 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 do something spectacular. Mm. I think the community's got a lot more tighter. Yeah. During the COVID, I think everyone realized within the same within the same boat we we need each other. I seen a lot of people doing a lot of support during COVID. Yeah, you're right. There was a lot of campaigns yeah. um, mm-hmm. from different organizations, so mm-hmm. it was really good to see everyone band together, like you said. But you're right, there was a lot of people left as well. You know, the industry really sort of um, shrunk. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope some of these people come back. You know, it's um, it was obviously a very difficult time, but, you know, bartending is still a very viable career and so much more these days. You know, you can really be a superstar if you, mm-hmm. you know, work hard. But, okay, good. Guys, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, really. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, thank you for being back in Bangkok. I really hope you enjoy the rest of your stay. Anything else you want to finish off on to the guests or anything you want to say about Capella, how we can get there? And- um, the first flight. <laughs> no, no, normally works. No, but I, I think we you know we we love to host everybody in in Hanoi. So whenever 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 anybody's coming into town, just just let us know and you know dr- drop us a message, drop William a message, drop you a message to to link up with us. And you know we we love to host and show you actually mm. rather than just tell you about it, let us show you mm. you know what we're, what we're trying to do. So. Yeah, that's true. And uh, from my side, I would say, look, I missed everyone. I missed these feelings, and I I missed events like this and uh yeah we love you all <laughs> like this <laughs> thank you very much guys it's been an absolute pleasure and for the audience once again check out the show notes you'll find all the links and uh, you can find us as always on spotify itunes and all other major podcast providers thank you so much for listening to the show guys uh, we are available on spotify itunes and all other major podcast providers your support helps my show grow and i love you for listening so thank you so much If you want to be a part of it even more, please look at the show notes. You can find links to our Facebook group, The Beverage Network. You can also find links to my Patreon page where you can help the show grow even further with small donations. And you can also find my email where you can reach me anytime with any questions. You guys are amazing. I love this industry. Let's keep it growing. Thank you for listening to On The Bad Bar.